Four guys are pl flying in a single prop airplane. The engine is starting to sputter. And then it dies. The plane is starting to go down. Four guys in the plane, only three parachutes are on board. The passengers include one of the best doctors in the world. One of the smartest guys in the world with an IQ that is off the chart. An old priest and a young nerd. The doctor says, people need me for my medical skills. And he grabs the first parachute back and he jumps out of the plane. Then the smart fellow says, the world needs me for my intelligence. So he grabs a pack and jumps. Then the old priest says to the nerd, I've lived a long, good, happy life, full of joy. You take that last parachute. Then the nerd says, no worries. There's still two parachutes on board. The smartest guy in the world just grabbed my backpack. <laughs> Well, good morning. Welcome and thank you for coming on this beautiful December morning in Blue Lake. Well, today's message is titled Joy. And it's based on Philippians 1, verses 1 through 11, and we'll be looking at that in a little bit. So today is the second Sunday of Advent, in the season of joy, as we celebrate the arrival of the Messiah. 2,000 years ago. A joy that is reflected in many of the Christmas carols. O come, O come, Emmanuel. Rejoice. Joy to the world. Among many other carols. Well, speaking of joy, last week my wife and I watched a movie called Joy. A biography of Joe Magano, the inventor of the Miracle Mop. This movie depicts a life of hardship and disappointments. Joe Magano was a divorced mother of two, working as a booking agent at Eastern Airlines. She lived with her young children, her ex-husband, her mom, her divorced dad, and her grandmother, all in the same home. Well, by the end of the story, she had created her own business, her own business empire. She invented 100 trademark products, including these huggable clothes hangers. There's a billion of them made right now, and they all happen to say joy on them. She is a regular guest, at the Home Shopping Network. But Joy's inner strength and her fierce imagination carried her through the storms in her life. The movie is truly an inspirational tale, a touching story, reflecting on the hard realities of life. She had a deep-rooted conviction that she could make a difference in the world with her inventions. Now, Joy didn't succumb to all the naysayers around her. 
her resilience ultimately won the day with a joyous ending. Well, that name joy is not very common. According to babynamehub.com, there are 130,000 girls named Joy since 1880. Joy is from an older generation of word names. Joy began to be used as a name in the 17th century by the Puritans with the idea of being joyful in the Lord. And it became into general use in the 19th century. Now the question is, what does joy sound like? Pondering this question, singing birds are a glorious manifestation of the sound of joy. And this is how the American poet Emma Lazarus puts it. From bush and hedge and tree, joy, unrestrained and free, breaks forth in melody, chirp and song for thee. So a few years ago, we had a group of birds visit our farm in Willow Creek. Not just a few, like tens of thousands of birds. And these birds appear to be full of joy, just chirping and singing away. But what made them so joyful? In Willow Creek, we grow this crop called Ilex fifticillata, these red berries that are used for Christmas in Christmas arrangements like this. We start picking the first ones in September, the orange varieties, and the last ones as late as December. But as the sugar levels in those berries start rising in the fall, it starts attracting the birds because they love to munch on these delicious berries. And in order not to lose the crop, we cover our fields with netting, bird netting, to keep the birds from coming into the field. I remember one particular Saturday afternoon, hearing all these birds chirping away in the walnut trees that are, that are surrounded our field, bordering our field. It was a remarkable sight, and an even more amazing sound of joy. These birds had spotted this field of ilex berries. Ostensibly, it reached the perfect sugar level to attract them. But that netting saved the crop from being eaten by the birds. So our customers could continue to enjoy these ilex arrangements for Christmas. Now, I've been in the flower business my whole life. It's not an easy business. Tough competition from across the world. Rising costs. And certain customers trying to grind down the price. Making it harder and harder to have an honest living. But despite all that, it is a great business. Every day, I am reminded of what it is that we produce besides the actual flower. And that is joy. We've got a bouquet of flowers here. I'm going to give it to Karen. 
And what did we get? Lots of smiles. <laughs> I have never seen a person receiving a bouquet of flowers, not being happy or full of joy. In 2007, Rutgers University did a behavioral study and found that people's mood immediately changed, causing happiness and joy upon receiving flowers. Now, what does the Bible say about joy? Joy is mentioned 165 times in the Bible, more than 100 times in the Old Testament alone with the book of Isaiah leading the chart. Isaiah 12, 3. With joy we draw water from the wells of salvation. And Isaiah 61, 7. Everlasting joy will be yours. Then moving to the New Testament. All of the letters of all of the letters of Paul, the letter to the Philippians, signifies joy more than any of his other letters. The letter to the Philippians is truly a letter of joy. And this is what brings us to today's reading in Philippians 1, verse 1 through 11, which can be found on page 196, and I'll give you a moment to look it up. Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are in Philippi, with the bishops and the deacons, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God every time I remember you, constantly praying with joy in every one of my prayers. For all of you, because of your sharing in the gospel from the first day until now. I am confident of this, that the one who began a good work among you will bring it to completion by the day of Jesus Christ. It is right for me to think this way about all of you, because you hold me in your heart. For all of you share in God's grace with me, both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. For God is my witness, how I long for all of you with the compassion of Christ Jesus. And this is my prayer. For your love may overflow more and more with knowledge and full insight to help you to determine what is best, so that in the day of Christ you may be pure and blameless, having produced a harvest of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ for the glory and praise of God. Please bow our heads. Guide us, O God, by your word and spirit, that in your light we may see light, in your truth find wisdom, and in your will discover your peace. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. So in his second missionary journey, Paul had a vision 
of a Macedonian man pleading with him. Come and help us, as we can read in Acts 16.8. He felt that God had made Philippi in Macedonia his top priority. So Paul traveled to Philippi, the leading city in that region. And when he got there, he looked for a synagogue, a place where all the fellow Jews would gather. But there wasn't one. This implied that Philippi did not have a large Jewish community. In Jewish tradition, when there were ten or more adult Jewish males in a community, they had an obligation to start a synagogue. But if they weren't, they usually would meet along the banks of a river. So Paul went out and he found a place along the Gengitis River where the local Jews gathered for their Sabbath worship. There he met Lydia, a Gentile businesswoman who worshipped the God of the Jews. But she had no knowledge of Jesus. So when Paul spoke to this group about the good news of Jesus Christ, Lydia's heart was filled with joy. Later, Lydia's home became the gathering place of all the early believers in Philippi. Philippi became the first European city to receive the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, as was the case in many other places where Paul had preached, persecution followed closely behind the establishment of the community of believers. But persecution and imprisonment did not deter Paul. It did not deter Paul's gusto and passion to spread the gospel. A few years later, while in prison in Rome in 62 AD, Paul thought about and he prayed for this church in Philippi. And he started to write this letter. That is a very personal letter. The Philippians had a very special spot in his heart. In this short letter, one of his shorter letters, he uses the word I 78 times. Paul intimately loved his brothers and sisters in Christ. And this letter reflects it very well. He knew that these folks were concerned about him. So he writes this letter filled with gratitude and joy to ease their minds. Now Paul's joy came from the trust in God's divine will. Even though Paul didn't know his faith, he beams encouragement and joy. Well, this could be instructive to us as well. Stay positive and hopeful and confident and believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, no matter where you are in your life. Now, Paul displayed an attitude of gratitude, no matter where and what his circumstances were. And in turn, he inspired the believers in Philippi. They had taken up an offering for him and sent him a generous gift. 
that came from the hearts of those believers in Philippi. This letter that Paul wrote to them from Rome is a letter of thanksgiving and gratitude for the money that they had sent him. It was the main reason for Paul writing this letter. Unlike many of Paul's other letters, they were, who were written as an apostle to a church, this letter was written as a very warm, friendly greeting from friend to friend. It is interesting that given the fact that while Paul was doing all this rejoicing, he was chained to a Roman guard. While he was in Rome for two years, awaiting appearance before Caesar, he was under house arrest, but chained to a Roman guard. There were 10,000 elite soldiers in Rome who had been assigned as the imperial guard and whose main duty was to protect the emperor. One of these men was chained to Paul on shifts, 24 hours a day, for two years. Paul saw this as an amazing opportunity to witness. They couldn't get away. <laughs> and as a result, Paul spreading the gospel to these men, Many of them were brought to the saving grace of the knowledge of Jesus Christ. A mini revival took place right there in the heart of the Roman Empire. While Paul was there, awaiting his appearance before Caesar. While Paul's joy, despite the adversity that he faced, actually gave encouragement to fellow believers. It emboldened them. Paul wrote in verse 4, constantly praying with joy in every one of my prayers for all of you. God works through prayers of friends. And let me illustrate this with an example. American Presbyterian pastor Andrew Brunson, who spent 20 years ministering to Christians in Turkey, was arrested for alleged links to political groups. And he spent two years in a dark, cold prison in Turkey. But prayers of thousands of Christians across the world were answered when he was released last month. Paul wrote in Romans 12, 12, Rejoice in hope, be patient in tribulation, be constant in prayer. Paul always had that light within him. He writes in Philippians 40.11, I have learned in whatever state I am, I am content. Because my contentment does not lie in my circumstances. My contentment lies in my relationship with Jesus Christ. And that cannot change. Last week, I went to see a presentation of Kwanu Kwanai A. Karmu. He goes by Q. <laughs> and he wrote a book called Witness, about the horrendous experience of an eight-year-old child 
surviving the Liberian Civil War of the late 90s. 250,000 people were killed in that civil war. But before his presentation, he asked his mother, who was in the audience, to come to the podium and sing a song that she had heard that's, that he had heard her sing during those dark days in Liberia, while the bullets were flying all around them and people were being killed. So this small lady comes up and she sang this song with this trembling voice. It is no longer that I live it. It is Christ who lives in me. He lives. Jesus Christ lives. King Jesus is alive in me. It is no longer that I struggle. It is my Lord who struggles for me. Jesus Christ lives in me. This lady was sentenced to death by a rebel leader. She was stripped naked and taken to the killing field. She sang this song with deep conviction. It is no longer that I live it. It is Christ who lives in me. Through a series of miracles, she survived. She and her five young children survived the atrocities of that civil war in Liberia. They fled to the Ivory Coast and they lived to tell their story. Jesus living in our hearts. That is Christmas at the core. Jesus seeks to be born in us. Jesus seeks to give us a new life. Christmas is God sharing himself with the world. Not just 2,000 years ago, but today. The joy of Christmas is a blessed, holy joy. And this is how Charles Spurgeon described it. There is a marvelous medicinal power in joy. Most medicines are distasteful. But this, which is the best of all medicines, is sweet to the taste and comforting to the heart. This blessed joy is very contagious. Holy joy will oil the wheels of your life's machinery. Holy joy will strengthen you for your daily labor. Holy joy will beautify you and give you an influence over the life of others. Friends, no matter what earthly joy may be coming our way, through the packages below the Christmas tree, or any other holiday gifts, all these will pass away. None of these gifts match the joy of receiving Jesus Christ in our hearts. And this is the indescribable joy that filled Paul while writing this letter to the Philippians. 
Let the joy of a relationship with Jesus enter our hearts. Joy like a fountain in our soul. Friends, this is the question. Are we hungry for an encounter with Jesus Christ? Let Jesus come into our hearts and touch the heavy laden parts of our soul. Let him heal and comfort and give us strength. With joy we pray. With joy we believe. With joy we sing. With with joy we spread the word. And with joy we put our trust in Jesus and accept him as Lord and Savior. Thank you. God bless you. Amen.